one thing I will say regarding the content, it's great that other people see this stuff and all that, but like I'm making them for myself, like first and foremost, like it's me working through stuff. One part about that drawn out process that I like is when something is on my mind, like some kind of an issue or something like that, it really allows me to like dwell on it and think about it and not pass it by necessarily. I don't know where I fall on like contemporary arts ability, especially like somebody at my level who's like occasionally showing in a gallery or something like that. Like I'm not changing anybody's mind on anything, you know, I make the images that I want to make that feel like they help me out. Some people hate it, but generally I think people see that somewhat in them. You know, I still am conscious of that line of like what I can and can't talk about and that sort of thing. But it makes that line a little bit easier to navigate, keeping that in mind. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 263rd episode, I'm very excited to be joined by Joshua J. Johnson, who I met up with at his studio. We talked all about his printmaking work, his drawings, and of course, all sorts of different processes. Some of these prints take up to nine months to make and are super detailed and exciting, so we break those down. As always, we give a background on Joshua, where he's from, and of course, talk a bit about his upbringing, experiences making art influences like the northern renaissance print masters and how that finds its way into the work as well as sci-fi like robocop or alien or any number of horror movies and we talk a bit about that as well again he creates these really fantastical kind of dystopian universes sometimes influenced by day-to-day observations from the news from life And, of course, it's really interesting to think about how these get processed, like I said, over the course of months. So very exciting stuff. If you're not familiar, please go check out his website, joshuajjohnson.com, and make sure to follow him on Instagram at joshuajjohnson. You'll see tons of print work there as well as drawings and all sorts of stuff to check out, so be sure to follow. If you're checking out Studio Break for the first time, I just want to encourage you to head on over to studiobreak.com. You'll see there's a lot of interviews there with a variety of different artists from all over. Each of those posts there have images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites, and of course, you can listen right there on studiobreak.com, or you can subscribe to the podcast. And again, it's a great way to have something to listen to and think about, especially art-related, while you're working away in the studio as so many artists spend their time outside of uh, other responsibilities. So again, check out studiobreak.com and of course be sure to follow studio break on social media you can like our facebook page you can find us on twitter at studio break and of course be sure to follow on instagram at studio underscore break and with those brief announcements out of the way we're going to get right into this interview with joshua j johnson stay tuned welcome to studio break joshua j johnson how are you Good, good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be able to check out your studio space, living space. you got bikes and guitars, everything. So oh, yeah. I will acknowledge, obviously, we teach at a College DuPage, you uh-huh. know, so I know you from there and I've seen your, your print work for a long time and stopping by to annoy you from time to time, asking mm-hmm. a couple of questions and pointers. So it's, it's yeah. nice to be able to kind of come over here and pick your brain. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. You went to like uh, Northern, if I'm not mistaken, for your graduates? Yeah, program? for grad school, Northern Illinois. Are you from here? Uh, no, I'm from uh, Iowa, right on the okay. the Iowa Illinois border. On Grew the up there and everything. Oh yeah, yep. Went to yeah, went to the University of Iowa for undergrad, and then over to Illinois for grad school. As I'm looking at your bookshelf, I'm seeing some uh, you know comic book uh, references, mm-hmm. illustration. I'm mm-hmm. assuming that was something that was uh, very much involved in your childhood. Was uh, doing lots of illustration work and and drawing. Yeah, lots of drawing. The comic books up there are more like reference like I I had comic books as a kid and that kind of thing but I wasn't like a comic book kid it would be like if I saw a movie I liked and there was Mm -hmm. like an accompanying comic book I would get it because I tried to get everything related to that thing that I was into but it was kind of a side thing but did a lot of drawing as a kid for sure not like obsessively but it was just like part of my rotation of like action figures and video games and then drawing but it was something that I didn't really outgrow and kind of kept kept up, not necessarily again at like an obsessive pace, but just kind of kept doing here and there. Took a lot of art classes in high school, 
like the AP art stuff and all that. So, yeah. Was that something that was like encouraging? We were talking a little bit about other uh, trajectories not too Mm -hmm. long ago, but, Uh you know, there's just so many avenues to kind of go in. And, you know, I mean, was there any kind of pressure of like, you got to do something practical? What's this art thing that you're spending time on? I think on some level, my parents were just happy I was going to college when I decided (laughs) to go for art. And I wasn't even 100% like sold on going for art, but it was like, I hadn't like no other interests, you know, like no, like it was either go for art or try to just get a job that would make money. And I had no interest in that whatsoever. Like, so it's like, I'll try this art thing. And I probably should have like gone to community college for a couple of years (laughs) to, you know, sow some oats a little bit before I went there, but I went straight to college for art just almost because I didn't know what else to do. Interesting. And then that's when it really clicked though. Cause like my high school experience and even just like familial experience, like I didn't see a painting in real life until I was in college, you know, like, like it was just a very like working class family. And like when there was extra money to go do stuff, it's, it was like, you know, museums weren't seen as like the fun vacation thing, the rare times that we could do something like that. So, but it was always like, you know, they would buy me art supplies and there was encouragement on, on that level, but like, it just wasn't a part of the, the dialogue or anything like that. Yeah. Well, and it can vary so much, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, like you can be in the middle of Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and (laughs) yeah, you know, you're, Instagram can be like uh, that kind of like conversation about art for you in some of those places as opposed to like, you know, people that might grow up in New York going to Mm -hmm. all those places their whole life with their family. So again, it's, it's really interesting how mixed that can be. So again, sensing some sci-fi, some illustrative type things like that where you're drawing stuff on folders in in high school that people were like, yeah, have Josh draw it. Yeah, it was, (laughs) yeah, definitely. It was a lot of like an elementary school, like drawing like my own Star Wars characters or something like that, or like drawing like weird dinosaur monsters and and that sort of thing and then in high school I honestly don't even like (laughs) those classes were like such nothing classes that like I think we did like a little bit of observational drawing but we were never taught how to you know and then just occasionally draw whatever but I really don't remember anything from (laughs) that time yeah yeah I remember like graphic design type stuff or Mm -hmm. you know like I think that's like one of the only times that I used water soluble colored pencils. Mm-hmm. Um, so occasionally I'll be like, Oh, that could be a good material, but yeah. I, I've never gone back. Yeah. Um, I kind of got into those actually recently just to keep in my like travel, like drawing thing, just a little selection, like a little palette of watercolor pencils. They're kind of nice. Well, and again, that's the cool thing now is that there's so many different tools that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't mean to age us, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. I'm uh, amazed at all the stuff that's out there. I think I had a student once that bought like a stippling pen, uh-huh. you know, like an automatic rechargeable stippling pen for a project. Okay. You know, and again, that's just something that you never would have thought about let, let yeah. on a, like a brush pen or something. Yeah. I didn't like know that. that was a thing that might save me some arthritis <laughs> if I had known about that, but yeah. And it's interesting too, because I think about that relative to all the different materials that you use, you know, and, and mm-hmm have like that kind of like technical aspect were you Mm -hmm. like doing anything like kind of peripheral that like kind of relates to that i don't know why i imagine you like fixing something i built my first computer when i was eight no soldered everything nothing like that but my dad (laughs) he worked in factories before he retired but he would also do like side jobs of like he's an amazing carpenter um so he would be like by himself like building like giant additions onto houses and he'd like figure out how to like raise the walls himself and like all this crazy stuff and when I was you know old enough to go help I would like a couple nights a week go and help him like just work on these sites that he was working on Mm -hmm. usually just like milling around (laughs) not doing much of anything but like he, I don't think he finished school at all, but I think he had a couple of years at a community college for like architectural drafting. So I remember just seeing he could draw well, like for like the kind of like construction stuff and that sort of thing he was doing. So like very precise and like mechanical pencil drawing. So I think that was kind of my first exposure to it. Sure. I mean, I think that in a weird way carries over um, to what I do now. 
definitely. I also noticed a gaming system. So uh-huh. I, I feel like for some reason being a gamer can easily be something that translates. Certainly anybody that's played any kind of arcade game, even mm-hmm. old school driving game. Yeah. You think about when you get on the road, you're super efficient. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, so. It's funny. I never <laughs> knew, like, you know, we grew up with like, I have older older brothers and we grew up with like Nintendo and all of that. And those games are like so tough. And I never knew like, oh, you're supposed to memorize this. Sure, and like, sure. You know, like kind of, and so it'd just be like banging your head against a wall like every time you played it. Cause I didn't, that just never like sure, <laughs> clicked sure. with me, but yeah. Well, so interesting. So again, taking every, every class imaginable, you mm-hmm. know, which again, seems like a kind of a likely story. And, and mm-hmm. it's weird too, because I feel like there's so many artists that I talk to that it's like, that kind of like can do, figure it out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do this. Let's figure out how to raise these walls or yeah. you know, whatever else it is. So it seems like there's a lot of that that would, you know, lend itself to kind of art making and things like that. So, you know, you were kind of describing you hadn't really seen any art much or at least maybe mm-hmm. hadn't been exposed to it on the level, certainly like when you go to college. So, yeah. you know, what was that like, I guess, in terms of starting? And, and I guess, where did you go to? That would be a great place to start. So for undergrad, went to the University of Iowa, which... You know, looking back, I'm really grateful for the education I got there. It was definitely much more on like the conceptual side of things. They didn't have a formal foundations department or anything like that, but one or two drawing classes that were taught by like grad students, and a lot of them were very conceptual. So they mm-hmm. were trying to teach like observational drawing and, and that sort of thing. So we didn't get much in the way of like actual instruction. It was always more like concepts of drawing and concepts of painting and much more about the idea. And I think the idea was the rest of it would catch up eventually, you know, like if it needed to, which eventually it kind of did. I did have one instructor right towards the end. I think it was even after I graduated and I kept taking some classes there who was like, the figure drawing professor who had been teaching in Italy for like my entire time (laughs) in undergrad. And he was like the person I kind of like needed freshman year, you know, but like I worked with him for a couple years and that really taught me how to teach myself, you know, how to, how to really try and pursue some of the stuff I had figured out that I wanted to, to go after like drawing wise and that kind of thing. Well, and you know, when I think about like that 10,000 hours type Mm -hmm. thing to kind of master something, I'm assuming that just because of what you do now and, and the level of detail, line exploration, textures, all those types of things. Mm-hmm. I would imagine you're pretty proficient, even if you probably look back on, you know, something you might have made as an undergraduate and been like, that's ah, a joke. But I'm, I'm imagining that you had a lot of technical proficiency. I don't think I'm one of those people who's like a natural at drawing, but I think I do have maybe a good sense of space, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. not that that always translates to paper, but I think that that helped me out some and I just was always kind of doing that on the side like at night like I remember like I would talk to like another art student who was in a class or something like that and they'd be like oh what are you doing tonight and I'd be like oh I'm gonna work on some drawing or something Mm -hmm. and they'd be like oh for what class and I'd be like oh I'm just like you know just whatever I'm making something on my own and they were like blown away (laughs) by like the idea that I was just like trying to make something because I wanted to make it, sure. you know, which is pretty much their future, anybody's future in that, that field. Right. I mean, like, to, yeah, to kind of have that drive. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I'm not saying that it was like a strong drive, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I had to kind of like mess up a lot before I was like, okay, this is like do or die. I, ha- I either have to get serious about this or I need to bail. Sure. So yeah, that's not to say I was a model artist or beginning artist. If you were to like kind of summarize, like, like, I guess that experience in terms of like the work that you're making towards the end, you know, what kind of, what kind of subjects and, and materials? That four years goes by so fast. It's mm-hmm. like the, the flash of a light, you know, but from the beginning, it was like more like irreverent, just kind of having fun, like almost doodles. Like it took me a really long time to ever finish anything. It was almost like sketchbook work. And then I would like collage, like not even like directly collage together, but just hang up a bunch of pages around each other for like projects and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So that's kind of how it started. And then... I think I, I actually took like six years, <laughs> not four years. That still mm-hmm. went by really fast though. But by the end of it, I was getting a lot more direction. And it was kind of like the stuff that we've looked at today, like the very early starts of like grotesque, like figurative landscape stuff that maybe had some a little something to say, you know, even mm-hmm. if I wasn't at the time super informed about the world around me I was right. like starting to form those opinions and try to put them into my work and that kind of thing were you doing printmaking at the time too 
I got a BFA in printmaking, but I was pretty, I've always been pretty evenly split printmaking and drawing with occasionally a little painting thrown in for taste. Like kind of allowing all those things to kind of reinforce similar ideas and explorations. Everybody approaches printmaking differently, but for me, it's just drawing, you know, like, and there was something like you saw some of my pencil sketches, like you were saying earlier, they look like prints. Mm -hmm. And that's because a lot of just kind of learning how to draw I looked at prints especially engravings because they're all just like really ornate cross contour drawings Mm -hmm. and so if you want to learn about form like that's one of the best ways is to see okay this is how this line travels across this form and if you want to make something have more dimension whether you're being as explicit as that in an engraving or even if you're doing a charcoal drawing you kind of have to wrap that form you know Mm -hmm. So that kind of led towards that style of drawing. I don't know if my cat's picking up here. But oh, we'll I think see. so. so okay. hopefully yeah. that's good. Um, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> not happy about not being in the room right now. And well-fed and taken care of, we promise. Oh, so, yeah, too well. Know, I just think. wants to get out and, and attack microphones. So. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, to think about something else, too. I mean, what kind of artists were you looking at? Because, you know, you kind of talked about, again, you know, not kind of having as much exposure. So mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious if you kind of gra- gravitated towards more traditional printmakers or... Uh, it was definitely so we had a really great resource in the museum that the university had and we were i believe at the time the printmaking program there was like the number one print program in the country Mm -hmm. and it had been like the university of iowa and a few other schools in the midwest basically revitalized printmaking in the first half of the 20th century Mm -hmm. the university of iowa still has this legacy in printmaking it's a great art school in all the other areas too, but the printmaking area kind of has that legacy to it. So we had an amazing print and drawing room with Rembrandts and Albrecht Durs and like every old master you could ever want to see up through like Picasso's like Buffon series and all of these prints. So definitely that was my exposure to like old master printing mm-hmm. and drawing and that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I think like, I understand this. Like I looked at it and I was like, for whatever reason, it clicked with me and I could understand the steps to making that because they are very, they kind of show their hand really well in the way that they're made. It's Mm -hmm. all just, it's all just lined, like for better or worse. Like it makes it very easy in some ways, but also very difficult to make certain things happen with it. Sure. So I think that really clicked. They also had a really great intermedia program. So I was like looking at performance artists who from like the seventies and eighties were like really pushing the boundaries of like what's acceptable, you know, as what is art and then also content wise, like mm-hmm. really pushing the boundaries. And a lot of the students there were really just kind of open and crazy in a way that like I didn't get <laughs> like, you know, kind of small town Iowa that was really eye opening in a way too. So it was a weird mix of stuff, but also like some illustration artists that I've like, I've always connected with illustration art, even if I have no interest in -hmm. in making illustrations, you know, like I really like looking at it and there's a lot of artists like Aaron Horky and God, I haven't talked about artists for 18 months. So like the names (laughs) are just like gone, (laughs) but just a lot of like, just really well done illustration that also not only had like a unique style that didn't seem to be the style of the time, which I think is always nice to see mm-hmm. and like important to kind of buck some of the trends, even if just through like the mark making and all of that had something to say for sure. Yeah. Well, and I guess, you know, to kind of describe some of these prints, you kind of talked almost about like these figurative elements, these otherworldly kind of elements, these mm-hmm. landscapes. I mean, what was the process like in terms of like developing these? Do you kind of like just see something in your head that you start working out? They're almost a hundred percent based in imagination. I'll occasionally find a reference. Like I think one of the prints has like a basketball in it. And mm-hmm. you know, I was like, what the, what the hell does a basketball <laughs> look like? Like where do the, the black lines go on it? And like, so I'll kind of find a picture of it. And then I think like going back to that idea of like feeling like maybe I have a good idea of space. Like I felt like I, it wasn't too much of a leap to be able to turn that in my head in any direction and then draw it the way that I needed it in the print not that I'm like amazing at that but I can like get a point across you know which is for a long time kind of I was satisfied with that I guess just kind of visually representing what I was thinking I won't say that I was somebody at the time that like sought out a lot of like unique experiences or like I think I was 
even kind of hesitant to just based on my upbringing and where I grew up. Like I think a lot of people from like the very Midwest Midwest, like aren't necessarily like travelers and like, you know, so I, it took a while to shake that off, I think. So a lot of it was just like out of my head, like, what do I want to see happen here? Or even just like, kind of like cloud reading, like, okay, this is happening. So now what's going to like kind of chain of events, like what's going to happen next based on what I have down so far. So, well, and that, and that experience too, like as an undergraduate, I think you kind of, you know, figure some things out and then you kind of get glimpses of other things. So Mm -hmm. I would imagine that a lot of that gets ironed out too, as you, you know, kind of pursue that in in graduate school. So maybe, you know, we can kind of talk a little bit about that experience. So where did you go for graduate school then? Northern Illinois University for grad school. They have a really fantastic print program there led by Michael Barnes, who was an undergrad, one of my favorite artists. And I didn't even know that he taught anywhere. Um, And then (laughs) like... Worked out? Yeah. Then my printmaking professor was like, actually, he was a grad student here. You should probably go work with him, you know, if you end up going to grad school. So... I applied to a few other schools and had pretty good results with that, but ended up getting a full ride to Northern Illinois for printmaking with like assistantships and the possibility to teach my second year. So that was like no brainer. Like I didn't even hear the offers from the other school. I was like for our schools, I was like, I'm just, I'm going here, you know? And was that kind of like similar to, in terms of like being around all these people that you know, brought something different to it or, you know, cause again, you kind of maybe talked about kind of more conceptual kind of ideas at the school and, mm-hmm. you know, being around some, some wild artists and mm-hmm. whatnot. I feel like every place is like that a little bit, but I'm assuming yeah. that there's gotta be some, you know, other things that people brought to it. Cause you sometimes get like some really, you know, people from all over the place and, and different programs. At NIU, I think they really tried to have a diverse group of graduate students, but it definitely, attracted people like me as Mm -hmm. well who are into this kind of like grotesque figurative somewhat representational but that wasn't all that was there for sure there were a lot of other great artists that were polar opposites of that working in installation and and anything you can think of as well and it's not the biggest department so Mm -hmm. it was really easy to mingle with the time art students and the painting students and we all kind of felt like one department as opposed to being broken up into different areas, you know? Yeah. Which is really cool because I feel like there's a lot of places that become so massive that you, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I don't think I ever talked to any photographers Mm -hmm. when I was in graduate school because they literally were like in another wing, you know, in another part of campus. Um, So that seems something nice. And then, you know, I think, you know, relative to that, you know, where there kind of conceptual like changes in terms of being able to kind of formulate some of these ideas behind the work or, you know, shifts there. Cause I know definitely get, you know, stacks of things to read and, you know, these massive papers that you're like, I've never written this before, but yeah, there wasn't as much of that. I felt like, I think I was in a different position than a lot of people who go to grad school. I took a couple years off where I just took like figure drawing classes and like the thing in my head was like, I don't want to go to grad school to learn how to draw, you know, like I want to have that like ironed out before I get there. So I had that kind of figured out well enough to where I could make the work that I wanted to make. And I had a really good idea going in what I wanted to do. And I knew it was like, you know, going to be kind of a tough road, but I also think most of my instructors could see that I kind of just needed time, you know, and Mm -hmm. they, they really gave me that time. And like a lot of instructors wouldn't let you work on one etching for nine months and have nothing to show. Right. You know, but they kind of gave me that ability to like, just do my, like do research into like printmaking techniques and like they would check in on me and whatever I needed from them, basically I could have, but they also just let me make that body of work that even without me telling them what it was I wanted to make necessarily, like they gave me the space to kind of make that. Well, and, you know, one of the things that we've been kind of talking is this duality between, you know, drawing and, and print and mm-hmm. how similar they are. Is that something that you would kind of be doing in tandem? Like if you're going to kind of like work out a new idea for a plate or a mm-hmm. print, you know, you're going to draw it out, kind of work through all sorts of compositional sketches, things like that. It's a pretty fluid thing that goes back and forth. So sometimes I think we didn't look too much at like my just kind of sketches. Um, mm-hmm. but usually it'll start with like, just like a quick sketchbook doodle. And then if it 
kind of jogs my imagination and be like, okay, maybe this will be the start of a print. So then I'll kind of decide on a size. And then from there, I might develop a sketch a little bit further, figure out like really rough, like landmarks of the composition. But really I would like draw what I had figured out on the plate. And then I'd go back and do some pencil drawing and draw another element. And that rarely happens on like the same page where it's all like unified and together. I'm kind of like, you know, for how detailed and I guess some people would kind of say meticulous the prints can look, the energy and the planning behind them is the opposite of that, where I just kind of the day that I'm going to work in my studio, I bring to it whatever I have to bring to it that day and try to keep like once either a narrative or formal element seems like it's starting to establish itself. I try to keep that in mind a little bit, but I also just kind of pursue like whatever seems exciting and also, you know, and am not afraid to kind of let the gravity out of the room a little bit and a print to go after something that seems more interesting. And is that something that it has to be very explicit in terms of like what it's communicating? Cause you know, like, again, we were kind of joking about that earlier because yeah. you get all of this time in graduate school where it's, you know, you get this pressure to kind of be on point to kind of mix everything together and have it really speak to people. But what, what's that relationship like since you, you know, also seem to kind of leave so much for people to kind of, I don't know, almost kind of create their own narratives. I mean, I think a lot of it comes from like just inspirationally, I guess, like to kind of touch on that really quick, like really loving Nor- Northern Renaissance art, mm-hmm. like Bosch and, and Bruegel and, and some of those people. And between never having a religious upbringing and also a lot of like the iconography that they're using being kind of lost to time seeing these images that just seem completely alien and strange and like a lot of these things that are happening in the paintings are like why in the hell is this person doing like you know it becomes this very strange like a cult kind of thing that's happening in the paintings even though it was like very probably like conservatively religious at the time mm-hmm. and so i really liked that idea of coming up with like almost not necessarily like a personal catalog of symbols or anything like that. I don't want to make it sound like it's that formal, but coming up with these narratives that are very much based in our world and very much about like current events and that kind of thing, but also have this like mystique to them. So I think that makes them very open-ended in that it's a lot of made up like symbols and narrative elements and that kind of thing. For me personally, that makes it a lot more interesting to work on. And that's when you are going to spend like three to eight to nine months to a year on a print, it's got to be interesting, Mm -hmm. which is I think why I don't plan very much. Cause if I'm just like redrawing a drawing that I had done or something, like I would never be able to finish anything. So I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Well, and one of the things that's really interesting too, is like, there's a lot of figurative elements again, you know, some of them are whole, some of them Mm -hmm. are torn apart. Yeah. Kind of, Mm -hmm. again, kind of uh, mutilated. Mm -hmm. Like I start thinking of like depictions of hell, you know, Renaissance or, you know, the kind of way that you'd see a, a figure in agony. Yeah. And it seems like something like that, you know, might be easily something to kind of influence that idea to definitely, I mean, Gustave Doré's illustrations for the Divine Comedy are a huge influence, but like RoboCop is also a huge influence too, you know? So it's like, it's definitely a mash of like some of these like grotesque old master pieces that I like along with like the hyper violence of like 80s. I don't know if it was the same for you. My parents were completely cool with me watching like RoboCop and Predator. And mm-hmm. like, I'd go out and buy the action figures of like the, the dude who just got his arms and legs sure, blown off, sure. you know, <laughs> like, so I think that there, there is this like, a like insensitive attitude towards that, but it's visually, it's been a part of my life since as early as I can remember, you know? Right. Well, it's kind of like a cultural thing mm-hmm. too. Oh know? yeah. I mean, definitely. again, I mean, odd science fiction movies that nobody sees like enemy mine Mm -hmm. throwing out that as a reference for anybody out there that's like oh i love that movie yeah but i mean there's just like that kind of weird kind of fantastical element so i could see that being a you know like a great place to kind of play in in terms of like you start kind of adding to that yeah what what happens when you totally mess something up then that you're like oh my gosh i didn't mean to put robocop's arm in there but now it's been etched i mean that and from a from a silly standpoint i have no idea can you fix something like that in a print so that's another thing that 
I love about etchings specifically on copper is a lot of people think, oh, it's in metal. So obviously mm -hmm. it's there forever, but it takes a little bit of elbow grease. It's not as easy as erasing on a piece of paper, but one advantage that it has is, you know, paper falls apart after erasing two or three, you get two or three strikes, you know, before sure. it's like, okay, this just is going to look weird, you know, but with the copper, you can scrape away your work you have to kind of you know when you etch down or engrave down into a plate it goes to a certain depth and if you want to get rid of it you have to go down to that depth with like a sharp tool called a scraper then you have to polish it up with a burnisher but essentially you have like a never-ending piece of paper and i do um on a lot of my plates if you see the copper plate it looks like it's been through hell and back mm -hmm. But you can get it back to a place to where when it's printed, it doesn't look like that. That large print that we looked at where it's got all the different stages and processes, you know, like I probably have scraped out and redrawn like three quarters of that plate over and over again, just because something didn't look the way I wanted it to or whatever, you know. So that's one of the reasons I, I really like etching is the malleability of it. Tangentially, like makes me think of, you know, you didn't grow up religious, but I think of you know, immediately like you're almost like preparing for purgatory or something. <laughs> it um, feels like it sometimes. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, I say that because I mean, like, again, that's something to kind of really consider even like when thinking about like somebody that seems really gifted at something mm -hmm. um, or you kind of see it and you're like, oh my gosh, the meticulous detail. I think mm -hmm. it's really easy for people that maybe wouldn't know to kind of assume that this is like a, you know, a quick process or just, you know, you're just really talented, but that yeah. kind of grind is something that's oh, going to yeah. be, is there something appealing about that in that sense? I mean, and, and I guess too, when you say, you know, you're going to work on a print for eight or nine months. Yeah. I mean, is that just that one thing that you're working on too? So I guess to the first part, like the grind of it, I think every artist experiences a grind or like most of them experience mm -hmm. a grind, whether that. I don't know if they want to, but. Yeah. No, I mean like it's, I think like 80 to 90% of anything, even if you love it, is kind of a tedious and a grind, you know, like whether it's prepping a canvas or like even if you find some satisfaction in that, it's still kind of a grind, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I guess like the way that I work, I've made that grind like a much larger part of the process. I do remember there being times in grad school, like I was working sometimes 15 hours a day in my studio. Mm -hmm. You brought up the idea of purgatory and I remember thinking like, I don't hate this, but it, it's not great. Like, is this <laughs> is this a good way to be spending my time and then I remember kind of thinking like I'm depicting all these people and kind of almost talking about like a weird kind of purgatory and it's like isn't it only right that I kind of put myself through that sure. in a way you know like you know it's not a huge privilege to be able to have the time to sit in a studio and work 15 hours a day on a drawing or whatever sure. you know but that definitely crosses my mind sometimes when I'm when I'm making the etchings and are there kind of like other things that kind of feed like your interest in that? I mean, again, I, I say that because I think about it relative to like, you know, time and, you know, my mind moves like a mile a minute. Mm -hmm. So the idea of like working on something so intently for so long, mm -hmm. it seems like I don't know that I could, I could do it. So I, I have to have some sort of way, some, some, some other kind of things to kind of activate that. I mean, are there other things that you're kind of doing while you're, you know, figuring stuff out or podcast became a huge thing. Mm -hmm. The studio that I had in grad school where a lot of this like really, really intense labor started. Um, we didn't have an internet connection. So it was like, I started like snatching up all of the like discount horror DVDs at like Walmart and target and <laughs> kind of constantly had a horror movie on in the background. And there were definitely times where it was like, okay, I need to like focus and think this thing through. And I would sit in that kind of quiet, you know but a lot of it like you, it, a lot of it is a grind though and like you don't necessarily have to be mentally there 100 mm percent. -hmm. so the, a lot of it is finding like something to have in your ears to kind of help you through that for sure well and i guess something too to kind of think about too and i don't know which one makes which one's the oldest here that we have like in front of us right now probably this one on the floor and that's that's framed yeah one of the things that kind of occurs to me too, as I'm looking at this, is that the way that you work, it kind of allows for those kind of daily observations, mm -hmm. those things to kind of be included. So, um, tell me a little bit about this one. So, what's what's this one titled? This is from graduate school too, I'm yeah. assuming. I had like three prints that it took me about a year to get to the point of where I was making stuff. Like it was kind of the summer after my first year. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like this 
I feel like I have a knack for this and this seems like it's worth the effort that I'm having to put into it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think this is like the third one of those that kind of, I was working on three of them at the same time and they all kind of came together around the same time. Um, this one's called you're the doctor, I think, um, it's Mm -hmm. been a while. So the first kind of couple of these in this series that I made, had some like autobiographical elements. Like I talked about maybe being a little bit reluctant in college to like get out into the world and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I think a lot of that was, I had a lot of health problems as a kid and was like frequently being like driven out to Iowa city to have all these like really crazy tests done that like looking back on it, it's like almost like mad scientist tests, like being like put into like a twilight state and having my heart electrically shocked. And like, so like this print kind of has to do with like one of those tests that were done to me where I was basically like strapped to like this bed that could like flip upside down and it had something to do with like testing something with my heart I have no idea what (laughs) but they were like okay like you're either gonna pass out from this or you're gonna throw up and so like that kind of was the story of like my childhood (laughs) of like these periods of like intense kind of dread of like knowing that I had one of these like trips coming up to a hospital and knowing that there was going to be some element of like Mm -hmm pain and fear there so i think that's that guides a lot of my work even to this day is like this sense of dread um but for this one i took a mannequin from the still life room at niu and turned it upside down and tied a a sheet around it and that's one of the few observational elements um and one of these prints is i kind of drew that from life so that's kind of the figure on the right hand side the figure on the left is like some kind of like weird doctor hybrid i think i was using like a beehive as a stand-in for like the head of a a doctor or something like that Mm -hmm. and that figure is kind of like marking using like dowsing rods to mark time in the ground like kind of timing this person being upside down and there's like a weird sundial that doesn't actually work like these kind of symbols of skulls and that kind of thing on it so that kind of became the narrative around that one there's like small elements like i remember a lot of the pediatricians that I'd run into would have like these stethoscopes with like weird little like animal leg, like kind of like stuffed animal legs, like wrapped around the stethoscope and like trying to be friendly, but it's like, you know, severed animal foot or something sure. like that. So like this character has got like a groundhog that's like kind of sitting on his shoulder and kind of trying to not look at what's happening. I think there's some more going on with this one in the background. It looks like there's a pig with like a, spear going through its head i don't know what that's from (laughs) yeah yeah well and and to kind of think about it too like a you know in in that process i mean is that something then it's very forgiving it sounds like or maybe you know you've got certain elements kind of figured out and you're like you know what go here is a pig's head on Mm -hmm. a spigot or whatever it is you know like because again there's all sorts of like landscape elements that get added um you know snakes that get added little details but i would imagine again that's something that you know, you're going to run up a, a proof and then be like, oh, there, you know, there's something missing from yeah, this that can kind of add to it. Yeah. And a lot of that is like that. Um, I think I mentioned it before, like that bringing something new to it every day and trying to keep it like every day. It's a new drawing. It's not the same one I've been working on for three months. It's a different one today. And I don't have the baggage of the past three months to like deal with. But one of the downsides to that, I think it, it helps to create that kind of weird narrative that people have a lot of room to play with but it also like you know i made this print seven or eight years ago and some of it i have no idea (laughs) like i don't know what i was thinking that day when i threw that pig's head in there like and i I don't take notes or anything like that so and that's fine with me like it's just kind of lost a time like a lot of my memories and thoughts are you know and like that's just kind of how it goes yeah so there's still a lot of that that's like intuitive then in terms of Mm -hmm. just the way that you're kind of adding to it um, editing it yep some of it's formal you know like like you were saying like maybe something just it felt empty there or maybe I didn't there was a bush there and I was drawing it like can you swear on here sure I was I was doing a shit job of like drawing this bush and like I didn't want to finish it out so I put something else there like that's right. something a trick I kind of saw in like a lot of old master prints is like they have somebody's foot that they have to draw and maybe they didn't want to draw it. So they just throw a rock in front of it. You know, like that's one of the big things I kind of learned is kind of hiding some of your crimes and some of your deficiencies by just piling a lot of stuff up. I guess. Sure. 
Well, and I'm curious too to look, kind of like think about the idea of detail. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you think of that word even? Because like, you know, one of the things that strikes me, and you know, kind of going back to something that we talked about earlier, you know, that we're both teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about it relative to you know working line projects or. Like even like the way that I'll kind of like work in different directions to kind of not lose like something in a value drawing. Mm -hmm. Like how do you make sense of that aspect of it? Because I mean, again, there's such a, I don't know, like again, that idea of detail, Mm -hmm. it's so specific to me because as I'm looking at this, you can certainly define like each of these different areas. Mm -hmm. They have slightly different textures that kind of bring like a specificity to it. So, I mean, are you looking at, you know, different sources when you're kind of drawing or are you just kind of all again, just kind of drawing from your head? It's mostly drawing from my head. Occasionally, in these earlier ones, occasionally you'll see that I steal like a limb from somebody or Mm -hmm. a tree from somebody or something like that. But a lot of it's out of my head. And I really enjoy the puzzle of like, okay, I want to make this happen. Can I make it happen without just searching Google for five hours to find the exact right photo to make it work? And I always like the idea of the freedom that that toolbox can allow you. And it takes a really long time to develop and I'm not the smartest person in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's taken me a, you know, I'm not there yet, but, and it's, it's kind of a lifelong journey, but that's something that always interested me was being really like self-sufficient in my work. You know, if I got stuck on a desert Island with a a pencil and a piece of paper, I could kind of do anything I wanted to, you know? Right. So, and I think I might've asked something kind of related to this before, but Mm -hmm. you know, relative to like those drawings then, is that something then that you're kind of, you know, will you have a day where you're just like, I'm not working on a print today. I'm just Mm going to work on this drawing for three days and kind of see if I could, like I would imagine some of that you can kind of pull from, but then it also, Mm -hmm. also kind of come, becomes like a new thing or its own thing yeah so like we're we're looking at like some more fully rendered pen and ink drawings than i normally do i kind of went through a period after grad school where i was trying to kind of like reconcile the idea that these prints take so long to make Mm -hmm. and so i was like thinking to myself well can i get the same feeling out of just a pen and ink drawing that i can do in a week or a couple days as opposed to spending three months on a on a small plate So I kind of tested myself to see if I could get there. I think one problem I still kind of have to remind myself of and force myself to deal with is like contrast and like getting dark enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that for whatever reason in the the etchings, I get to that contrast a lot sooner than I do in drawings. I think I've gotten, that's something I've really worked on on those days where I'm not trying to like, I'm just like kind of practicing. I think we all probably have those days mm-hmm. where it's just like, okay, I'm drawing some hands today or something like that, you sure. know, to stay in practice. So that's definitely something that I'm, that I'm always aware that I have a deficiency of and need to pay attention to. So yeah, like that's kind of where a lot of, a lot of the, these kind of more, you know, serious, like longer term drawings come from. Something that strikes me, you know, looking at these is again, the print is, got this quality of this dimension Mm -hmm. you know and you know like you were kind of describing space earlier but like the volume in the figures Mm -hmm. um the way that you kind of create that sensation of depth through the Mm -hmm. layering of the trees or the you know various textures that are going on you know and again it's something that i love because like you don't necessarily know even by the way what some of these textures are you just know that they're specific so that they look like they're in that space yeah but that's something that sticks out to me that's definitely kind of different is that there's that dimensional quality with the print versus the drawing Mm -hmm. but then like you're saying too the the value range is just so much more subtle Mm -hmm. the darks are super super dark um so, I mean, again, I would imagine it's hard to kind of leave leave that behind, you know, to kind of think, oh, I'm just going to draw. I think I'm much better with graphite and charcoal. Like, obviously, it's, it's easier to get to those darks mm-hmm. and that kind of thing with those materials than it is with, like, a micron pen or a rapidograph or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. It's been... It's been a while since I've done one of these. I think I would probably, I think I could probably get there, you know, <laughs> with a pin now after I've kind of like recognized it and worked on it. But yeah, I like, you know, I think one thing I found through that is kind of that the etchings though do take on a quality that is unique from any other drawing process, both in like the level of detail that you can achieve with it and the textural range that you can achieve with it mm-hmm. without having to resort to like, bringing in another another medium at the end of doing these like five or six longer pen and ink drawings i kind of arrived at the conclusion that yes the etchings are like worth making and and investing in you know 
Well, and you were talking earlier about, you know, like uh, pop culture references and mm-hmm. things like that. Is that also something that might, you know, encourage you to start, you know, playing around with tattooing mm-hmm. or, you know, like awful shirts? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, because again, like, again, if nobody's familiar with this, uh, People of Walmart is one of my... Uh, go-to websites for kind of seeing oddball stuff and i think maybe half of it is photoshopped yeah um yeah. but occasionally you'll see somebody wearing a shirt that you're like that's eh, an interesting choice yeah. or you know a tattoo mm-hmm. uh, you know like again like this this figure with a hot shot tattooed on their butt or you yeah know, like like a bullseye on their back i mean again i could imagine seeing a I don't know. Usually it's at the gym or something. Yeah. They were running yeah. like, you know, American pickers or something or like yeah. people parking wars or something. Mm-hmm. You'll encounter like these oddball characters. But that's something that's really interesting to me. I mean, are you are you kind of like pulling from any of those types of things? Reality shows and tabloids? and? Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't want to say that like the things that I include in my prints are meant to be like negative reflections of mm-hmm. anything or anybody like I don't care as long as your shirt isn't like racist or homophobic or something like I don't I don't care what you wear you know but Mm -hmm. there are just like certain things that stand out to me of like not even looking down on it but just being like oh like what what makes somebody do that you know but also I kind of think of the figures in these prints as almost being like hermit crabs like maybe they just got dropped into this world and Mm kind of had to like scramble together whatever they could find and like one of my rules for a lot of these prints is like, what's the worst case scenario? (laughs) You know, like if these figures are like cobbling together outfits or trying to like express themselves in this like dreadful world, like what's the worst case scenario of like the shirt that they could come across or something like that, you know, like it's just kind of like insult to injury, I guess, in some ways for, for these figures. Well, and I think again, that kind of, you know, illustrative element and just the diversity of like almost like props, I mean, mm-hmm. and, and various kind of like objects and kind of things. It's so interesting to me in that regards because I could see like, you know, especially, you know, because we've talked about, you know, teaching drawing and, and some of the interests in anime and mm-hmm. other illustrative kind of styles. I would imagine that people get super, super into that, that level of detail. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I would imagine, definitely. you know, to kind of be able to pull from so many different sources just... Or like you see something that kind of sparks your imagination to kind of move in a different direction, which sounds like it should be on a poster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's something that's so exciting about it. So maybe maybe let's talk about this one as well. Mm -hmm. So, again, this is a print from probably like like the last five years feel like one year. Um, But I think this one would have been like 2017, probably. So, again, it's just interesting because like I think about that even relative to time, because like, you know, like. Again, I mean, if you're going to make a, a solo exhibition, that mm-hmm. could be five years of mm-hmm. working on prints. Yeah, you know? definitely. So again, it's it's definitely a different kind of animal. Yeah. Um, but again, in this one, it's really interesting because there's like this, you know, figure that's kind of almost like melting into these various forms. Yeah. Kind of almost makes me think about that movie Alien, I think Resurrection or something like that, where there's all these like various aliens that are like morphed and like, you like know, the deformed. Clone, clones and, of yeah, Ripley. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, that didn't like quite make poor it. clones. But yeah. I mean, like... I mean, again, is that just kind of like that sci-fi element kind of like going like, whoa, I'm going to play around with this. And I think it's, there's some of that for sure. Um, I think of a lot of it is an interest in anatomy as well. I teach figure drawing a lot and like, I definitely have an interest in anatomy, but I think it's like that interest only goes as far as I need it to for the prints, you know, like Mm -hmm. part of it is trying to depict like a certain thing. And then another part of it is like, challenging myself because like if I am going to work on a print for six months or something that doesn't leave a lot of room for like when I'm really in the heat of it it doesn't leave a ton of room for like formal study and that kind of thing so I kind of have to find a lot of that time for like learning things within the print itself so I, I a lot of times I'll set up challenges for myself of like I definitely want to get some new knowledge of anatomy out of this thing so so I find maybe like a narrative reason to incorporate like this person, my idea behind it at the time, the prints titled power moves, which I think was the name of like a really bad PlayStation wrestling game from when <laughs> I was like 11 or something like that. Uh-huh. This figure is kind of like got this guy in this kind of homoerotic like suplex or something like that. That's like not so vaguely reminiscent of like a sexual act, mm-hmm. but like below him is like, a bucket with like a saw on it that kind of implies that 
this person's being like torn in half in the process of this like wrestling move. And so like the figure is kind of exploding out of its shell, like kind of at the end of that move, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, a lot of that is just like, I want to get this person like opened up and see if I can draw that, you know? Sure. So that, that totally makes sense too. Mm -hmm. It's like the challenge of being able to have something that you can imagine in your head and try to be able to draw it. Then, yeah. You know, so it's going to be like, what would happen? You know, kind of like reminds me of T2 where like Arnold, you know, takes his arm off yeah. and you have that under underneath kind of skeleton. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on in the prints. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like this fantastic, like what would it look like if this happened? Wow. Yeah. So that's really kind of cool too. It keeps things interesting if nothing else. Like if I ever feel confident with one of these, then it becomes boring. Like it always has to be right on like the edge of falling apart for me, for me to want to keep working on it. And I always kind of feel like I have to be learning something new, whether that's a drawing thing, a print thing, or, you know, that's kind of one of the ways to keep this extended process interesting for the entire thing. Well, and I guess something we haven't talked about too is like there's a certain level of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's super frightening on the level yeah. of certain oh, levels. Yeah. But then, yeah. like again, then I start looking at it. And I'm like, okay, there's like a cute little doggy dish. Yeah, you know, or something like that. You know, that that I guess this other figure is kind of being like you know drained into almost or. You know, um, so again, there's kind of like these tongue in cheek elements as well. So yeah, yeah, I think that's something, you know, there's a number of them where you're, I think also writing, you know, like in this one, there's that poof that's kind of written that kind of reminds you of the old school kind of like Batman, Mm -hmm. you know, where like people are getting like zapped or, you know, whatever it is. So there's always that kind of element to it as well. I think it's a tough thing to balance. And I don't even, honestly, I don't know if I even try to balance it of like, humor mixed with like despair and like I'm talking about a lot of things that for me are personal and are I I think like true and honest but they're exaggerated so that's always something I think about is like do I have a right to be like making this work all things considered I've been pretty lucky in my life and haven't had to experience a lot of the stuff that I'm trying to depict but this kind of stuff does also happen in the world around me and like where do you find that balance of like what can you what can you talk about and still be genuine and what should you stay away from you know that's that's a tough one well and it makes me think too i mean like obviously you know throw on the news and you know it's a scary world yeah you know there's definitely. all sorts of terrible things going on i i think unfortunately we only kind of report on that or kind of see that because um, there are probably great things happening as well yeah but i would imagine too i mean like anybody you know thinking about those things hopefully is going to kind of recognize that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, such a surreal world. Like, you know, again, you can be in the, the richest country that there's ever been. And then there's people that go poor here or starving yeah. or, you know, go without, let alone yeah. around the world. Um, so it, it, there is also kind of like almost like in a weird way, there's something that I'll talk about in a drawing class, but like, you know, like what would a post-apocalyptic landscape look like? Yeah. But I mean, there's also that kind of aspect of it too, where I don't know, it's almost like wrestling, uh, for humanity's mm-hmm. uh, like longevity in these prints almost. Yeah, and a lot of it, like one thing I will say regarding the content, like I, it's great that other people see this stuff and all that, but like I'm making them for myself, like first and foremost. Like it's me working through stuff. One part about that drawn out process that I like is when something is on my mind, like some kind of an issue or something like that, it really allows me to like dwell on it and think about it and not pass it by necessarily i don't know where i fall on like contemporary arts ability especially like somebody at my level who's like occasionally showing in a gallery or something like that like i'm not changing anybody's mind on anything you know i make the images that i want to make that feel like they help me out some people hate it but generally i think people see that somewhat in them you know i still am conscious of that line of like what i can and can't talk about and that sort of thing but it makes that line a little bit easier to navigate, keeping that in mind. You know, it's interesting to kind of reflect because, you know, we haven't seen each other in a really long time. I think we said like 16 months, something like months, that. Yeah. Knows, right. Yeah. What are you thinking about? Like, I guess down the road, because I mean, you know, kind of like during this pandemic, I didn't see a print shop up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that like there's always probably some kind of creative energy that is kind of shifting or kind of going in new directions. But are, are you having stuff that you're kind of like you know, thinking about down the road or, or things that you're kind of putting together? Yeah, it's been tough. Even before the pandemic, I feel like I 
came to a point where some of this stuff became a little less exciting and it became more of a struggle to get that that time in that they kind of need to look resolved and then when the pandemic hit and you know as a teacher that was like I don't know if it was the same for you but like that was my life for like just figuring out like right how am I gonna keep this ship afloat for you know the rest of this class and then going straight from that class into a summer class and then like having to develop like that online curriculum so I feel like any momentum I had going is just like completely gone now right, as right. a result of all that. Um, I have still been working, but it's been much more on like teaching myself new skills, like getting more serious about some digital stuff, both because it's good to know for teaching opportunities, but also like seeing how I can incorporate that into like my own workflow to maybe speed something up. And then also just like, I've been really, investing some time into like books that are more on just like technical drawing like drawing for like product design or something where like you're drawing three-dimensional shapes and perspective but like they actually like mathematically like work out it's not intuitive there's like you're actually defining the space and drawing in it in a way that is like correct like it's like i said it's not intuitive so i've been thinking about that a lot um i have some ideas for stuff i might want to do and it's not going to like completely change that. Like, I think I'm always in some way, like going to make this kind of work, you know, like it's, it's where my interest is. It's where my mind goes when, when allowed to. So, but I think you might see some changes in like some of the content. I want to maybe have a little more fun mm-hmm. and like directly bring in some of those like references from childhood and that kind of thing in a way that I maybe tried to avoid at first when I was starting these and, still keep some of the the commentary and that kind of thing in them but finding ways to have more fun visually with them i guess i don't know what that's going to look like but that's kind of like the goal i think right now well we're all kind of going into that kind of great unknown you know yeah definitely well and where's the best place for people to kind of check out your work and and stay up to date i think like instagram i haven't been super active on it since the pandemic started just because you know, most of the stuff I've been working on has just been kind of test stuff and like learning kind of stuff. But at Joshua J. Johnson, that's my middle name, J, J-A-Y, not just the letter J. Um, and then my website is also uh, joshuajjohnson.com. So yeah, I'm hoping to get back to update that stuff more frequently, but I just haven't, <laughs> haven't had it in me to do that. But Hopefully soon. It's been a, a spell and very exciting to come talk to you about this. Yeah, and, no, and, this is great. You know, learn all about you. So thanks okay, so much. Cool. No, thank you very much. Thanks once again to Joshua for joining me. Check out his website and work, joshuajjohnson.com. And of course, be sure to follow him over on Instagram at joshuajjohnson. There's plenty of updates and work there to check out. So be sure to follow there. If you haven't checked out Studio Break before, remember, we've got a big archive of episodes on studiobreak.com. We recently featured Ann Bloss for episode 262. She's a painter from Chicago. We talked to Kendra Balgren for episode 260. She is a painter and curator at James May Gallery up in Wisconsin, so we're super excited to have her on. We had David Casson, who's a portrait artist for episode 259. Mia Reesberg, who's a curator and fantastic artist. You can find all of these on studiobreak.com. Look at images and, of course, investigate their websites. You can also be sure to subscribe to the podcast very easily, so do that. It's always a great idea to have something going on in the studio, fill in that air, giving you thoughts to think about while you're making your work, so be sure to subscribe. And, of course, if you like the podcast, please let others know. Share these links. It's also a great way to earn some extra karma points and let the universe pay you back a bit, right? Music for today's episode is by Golden Shadow, which features myself on guitar, Ben Cohan on drums, and Brett Beery on bass. And our intro song featured Decal's guitarist Brigham Hagerman. And we talk a bit about this in the recent episode that we did, number 261. We've all been working remotely and writing songs over the pandemic, and we finally got together in July to record and play some songs and music and we had this fun interview talking all about the process so please be sure and check that out you can also find us on instagram hopefully at golden shadow band so be sure to follow there and once again you can find ben's work on instagram at mbencohen studio you can listen to some of brett's albums on Bandcamp and follow him on instagram where there's a link there at brett beery 
And, of course, you can find my work on davidlinaway.com. There's plenty of paintings there. And, of course, be sure to follow wherever you are social media-wise. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at David Linaway. So be sure to say hello. It's always great hearing from listeners, especially if you enjoyed an episode. And we did it. We wrapped another episode of Studio Break. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I hope everybody's staying safe out there and productive in their studios. We'll talk to you real soon.